Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follin, and this, well, this is something slightly different for being freelance, because instead of chatting to a new guest, I thought I'd spend the last two episodes of the year catching up with my very first guests. So I, I know you could be listening to this at any point in the future, but right now it's December, and I started this podcast in January 2015. So I sit recording this less than two weeks before Christmas. So I've realised that actually the best part of 12 months has now passed for all of my original guests. And when I think about how much I have learned and changed my business over the year, I thought it'd be interesting to hear what has happened to those first people I spoke to as well. So their challenges, their changes, their epiphanies. Over this episode and the next one, we've got a photographer, designer, audio producer, illustrator and developer all chatting about the past year being freelance. So let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start after all. My first guest was a photographer with 20 years or so of being freelance under his belt. 20 years! Yeah, you'd think surely everything is settled down and you know what you're doing by then for sure. Uh, So Tom is with us. Hey Tom, I'm wondering how this past year has panned out. Adding it to your immense tally, how's it been? Uh, It's been interesting. He said in that wonderfully vague, open-ended way, if anything, it's been a more extreme year than previous years. Um, most of your guests and probably many of our listeners will be very familiar with the idea of being freelance and having very busy months, very quiet months, uh, months when you turn over lots of money and months when you don't. Uh, since about 2004, 2005, I have been very, very consistently busy. Um, within that, obviously, I've had stretches where I've been insanely busy and it's, it's nearly finished me off. This year has been, if I could show you a turnover graph, it would look like a sort of oscilloscope. You know, it swings from one end to the other. I've had some astronomically busy months that have left me in pieces at the start of the year. So February, March were absolutely beyond the pale. I mean, late night shoots that then became an early morning shoot the next day that became a late night shoot and so on and so on and so on. And then last month was my quietest month in more than a decade. Um, and so I've, I've had a year that really has swung from one end to the other in terms of work. Uh, so it's been interesting in that regard, certainly. I think some of the things I've been working on this year will help to solve that going forward. Um, so have you made changes to your... I've, I've made several changes to the business. I mean, one of the reasons things have gone even more extreme is that over the past few years, I've been diligently uh, turning away all sorts of work which which is all part of long-term plan to shoot more of the sort of thing I want to shoot and less just making ends meet, which is great. I'm very, very happy to have done that. The catch is, of course, that means that perhaps the little regular bread and butter stuff that a couple of years ago I would have relied on isn't there anymore because I've said no to it. Um, so a month like last month, I probably still would have done four or five shoots uh, and turned over a couple of thousand pounds, but it would have been stuff that I no longer want to do. So there's a direct reason why I've had a couple of very quiet months. But I've also been working diligently uh, in conjunction with one of your other guests, uh, Ebony Allard, who I took on as a coach and worked with her from June to late September, I think, um, and worked on lots of things about changing the business there, which none of which happen overnight, obviously, but medium to long term, hopefully, um, very, very worthwhile big changes have you ever worked with a coach before not formally all right so how did you find that uh, it's an interesting process interesting process some of the stuff that was most beneficial was in some ways stuff that i had heard before or or, or learned before but it often takes sort of a third party to really drive it home Uh, i mean one one of the things that i've definitely 
finally got my head around this year, which again was something Ebony helped with, was this idea of yes, you you need your your big, ambitious, long-term goal, which is something to aim for. Um, but it is absolutely useless writing something like that on your to-do list on a Tuesday morning when you've got nothing else in the diary because you're not going to do it. Um, and in fact, it's quite off-putting and quite daunting. Uh, whereas if you're sensible enough to break that goal down into the smallest, most discrete, manageable steps you can, you will actually get there. Uh, you know, pick a random example. It, it's no use saying to somebody like me, must get better at Photoshop. Because obviously not only is it vague and open-ended, but it's, it's huge. Yeah, that, that, that is a years and years of learning. And if I keep putting that on my daily list of, okay, it's Tuesday afternoon, I'm free, I haven't got jobs booked in, I can, I can use my time how I choose, and I write something as useless as, get better at Photoshop, doesn't mean a thing, I won't achieve it, I won't feel like I've got anywhere. Instead, if I say, okay, well, getting better at Photoshop consists of these things, then for half an hour, let's watch an online tutorial about how to do compositing. Then let's um, examine some of my work and try and do the same things on those. Right, well, that's, that's that ticked off. I feel I've taken one step towards getting there and, and applying that same method across the board in all sorts of areas is proving to be very, very worthwhile. Nice. Uh, overall, I mean, so you're saying that the overall, you know, whether having a coach work for you is maybe going to sort of show its face next yeah, year. I, I don't think it's something, uh, I mean, I think it would be a mistake to take on someone like a coach and then expect the next day your entire life turns around, because of course it doesn't. Um, and arguably, many of the things that you work on with a coach are actually much more psychological than they are practical. I mean, yes, one of the benefits to working with Ebony was that I've, I've got a much better handle of what I think you could broadly term workflow. I was very, very busy shooting lots of stuff all the time, but lots of it was not exactly going to waste, but I wasn't making the most of it. Uh, I'd be looking around at other people who were you know, singing and dancing and shouting about the work they'd done. I'd look at it and think, well, that's nothing special. I mean, I, I do that sort of thing all the time. But of course, yeah, I do, but I wasn't making anything of it. I wasn't publicising it on social media. I wasn't you know, writing blog posts about it. And of course, I should have been and I should do because it's, it, it's an intrinsic part of... Um, you know, of, of how I market myself and how lots of us market ourselves is just to, as you go along, talk about these things and publicise them, even if, um, you know, in my case, lots of it is stuff that I don't think is particularly exceptional. It doesn't matter. You know, people out there think, oh, wow, you did a shoot with so-and-so. That's really exciting. Well, to me, it might be quite mundane, but it doesn't matter. They, you know, people yeah. who are interested are, are interested and it doesn't matter whether I think the same way. So you've been marketing yourself more in that I've been marketing myself much more um, and, and have seen... Uh, tangible benefits from that immediately. I mean, I, I, and one of the weirdest things about social media is how immediate the response can be sometimes. You can put something on social media, in the case of me as a photographer, and half an hour later somebody gets and says, oh, I love your work, can we do a shoot? And it, it can be as direct as that sometimes. Do you think that those are the main changes that you've seen this year? Similar to the goals, I've also finally, finally understood that this comes at the ripe old age of 38, that I can't do everything at once. Um, I like a lot of people, I think I'm, I'm probably too ambitious and I think I'm capable of more than I am. I think I can train for a marathon whilst also generating lots of new work, whilst keeping up the work that's always been ticking over, whilst maintaining a full and active social life, whilst learning to play the guitar, whilst, you know, well, no, you, you can't. Um, it's simply not possible. You know, there are only X number of hours in the day. I've only got as much willpower as anybody else has and continually setting myself these insane goals just leads to being quite frustrated instead 
not only break stuff down into discrete chunks, like I said earlier, but also recognising that you know a new habit and a new thing takes about a month or so to form, according to most psychologists. So stick to it for a while and just stick to one thing for a while. You know, don't, don't expect that, I've got this new marketing thing and then I, once that's in place, I'm going to do this and this and this and, and by Friday it'll all, be, it'll all have happened. No, the, the new workflow and the new marketing thing will take about a month to get properly settled. Once that's properly settled, then I can start thinking about ti-dum, ti-dum, ti-dum and I've struggled with that for a very, very, very long time and I think this year it's finally gone in. <laughs> Excellent. Do you know, we will, of course, put links to Tom's original interview uh, on beingfreelance.com, but also Ebony's. So did you mm-hmm. come across Ebony through listening to this? Yep. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was listening. <laughs> I know, you're, you are the weaver. Um, so Ebony uh, Allard was also one of our guests uh, probably around spring sort of time. So I will put her uh, interview in the uh, in the show notes as well because it was a fun a fun one. That. Listen, Tom, thanks so much uh, for taking time out yet again. All right. And all the best seeing how those changes pan out over the next 12 months too. Cool. Okay. So next on our catch up, let's speak to brand and web designer and co-host, for that matter, of the freelance web podcast, Liz Elcote, taking time out from renovating her new house. So thanks for that. Hey, Liz. Hello. Hi. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Thanks for doing this. So I, I just wanted to find out how it may have changed over the year. Well, maybe you've jacked it all in and gone back to. I'm a waitress now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Sometimes, sometimes it's tempting, but no. Um, yeah, it's changed, I guess, quite a lot. I think that um, I've probably focused in on what I want to do now. I think I talked to you a bit about that at the time, and it was kind of moving towards branding and stuff, and that really is all that I do now, um, which is great and just what I wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of changed. I'm... I don't know, it's less stressful for some reason. It's all got a bit more chilled. I don't know if that's just, you know, I'm in my, what, fifth year now of freelancing? So maybe it's finally stopped being so terrifying. What would have stressed you out before? Work, finding work was always a real stress. So Um, is that the stress that has gone? I don't know what what I've done differently. Um, I think it's probably... It's not even something that I've done as much as I'd like to do, but I sort of rewrote. At one point, I was sort of thought that it would be enough to have a website with just some of my work on it and not really a lot else because I, I hate writing copy for myself. I love writing, but I hate writing copy for my website. So I haven't really bothered. I was like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Um, and at the time, I was working more with agencies. It wasn't massively important. And then I started getting a bit into SEO, which I'm, I don't know anything. I'm really not an expert on it at all but um I became quite interested in it and sort of tr- applied things to my own site and I was like wow it, it works and um I started getting inquiry a lot more inquiries I mean all the time now it's quite a lot from my website and lots of those don't um translate into you know work but um and that's something I really want to start looking at in the new year which is why lots of those don't translate into work you know I think probably some of it's my costs and people are perhaps looking for a lower end service. Mm, mm. Um, but, um, but so, so yeah, sort of just focusing in on getting my SEO right on my site. I mean, my site's not great at all. It really needs redoing. A whole new, I need to focus in on what I'm going to do and how I present myself. But just doing that and sorting out the copy a bit on there helped. Um, 
So it's taken a bit of that stress out of it. That's um, that's huge though. Just so on is that on a local level to where you are, for example? So in well, Norfolk. It, if, if I were in, to type, I'm not in Norfolk now. So that's the <laughs> yeah. That was for Norfolk. I lived in Norfolk when I did that. When I live in Sanford now, so uh, I moved to Lincolnshire. So I need to kind of readdress that because all of my inquiries are coming in from Norfolk, which is fabulous. Oh, and I obviously, see. So, yeah. so you're still ranking really well for Norfolk, but you've moved. But I still all of my clients are in Norfolk, so it doesn't really matter because oh, okay. I'm over there all the time. Yeah. Um, and I've got, you know, lots of friends over there and my, my sort of biggest clients are all over there. So it's, I'm like, well, is it worth changing it really at this point? Um, so, but I need to start sort of addressing this area as well, but I'm not sure if, um, if actually just looking locally is the right thing for freelancers. I think that you sometimes limit yourself financially, depending on where you live. If you live in the middle of London, it's not a problem, but obviously there's a vast amount of competition. But I think just marketing yourself locally is easy to do with SEO, but I think that you then attract lots of little local local companies. And if that's what you want to work with, that's fabulous. But you always are going to be working at the lower end. Lots of lots of hard work for not a lot of money. So I'm sort of now starting to focus more on being a branding expert. I like to use the word expert. <laughs> um, so being a branding expert um, and doing that more on a national level. I mean, with the, with the current climate, lots of small businesses starting, lots of startups. It makes sense to me to aim at that market. It's interesting you, you said about leads not working out. There's, uh, I don't know if you heard it, but Joel Kletke was a recent guest and he's a conversion copywriter. So very hot on actually converting those people into into leads and stuff. And um, he found that putting pricing, the way he puts pricing on his website is kind of, he. I think he said it's less to get people to work with him, more to stop people working with him. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it sets you your level as well, doesn't it? Have you had any, I guess, moments where you've gone, ah, yes, it all makes sense? Probably once a month I go, yeah, I love this. God, this is the best job ever. And then probably once a month I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and I'm never, I, I think people who say that they don't, I think people who say, oh, my God, I love this constantly are, I don't think they're perhaps being honest. Maybe they are, I think. But I certainly probably once a month think, yeah, this is great. I just love this. And that's when I'm doing a project that I enjoy. The money's coming in. I'm not worrying about money. Um, and it's it's challenging and fun. And then there's those other times when it all seems to go wrong in one day and you think, ah, oh, what am I doing this for? But then I never think, oh, I want to go and work for an agency because all those things happen. And then you're working for someone else as well. So you've got to deal with other people. I've also stopped caring what other people in the industry think, which is quite good. It's quite liberating. It's pointless. They're not your clients, so you don't need to worry about what they think, really. Did you used yeah. to feel that pressure, then, of your I contemporaries, I guess? Well, I first started freelancing. I, I wanted to impress everyone. You know, I wanted to be like... I mean, there's some incredible designers out there, and they share their work on Dribbble or whatever, whatever the latest thing is. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, they're so good. Oh, I'm not worthy... Um, and I wanted to be like that. And I perhaps wanted to maybe impress people in my industry more, focus on that more than actually, you know, my clients and what they wanted. And I think that as soon as you realise that 
those people aren't paying your bills and they're not uh, really that important, um, it's really liberating because then you can just focus on your clients. Yeah. And actually, I, I did a logo for a client a while ago, a brand for a client, and um, the logo is te- um, very traditional, um, I think really lovely, but it wouldn't, if I put it on, you know, one of the kind of sharing sites, I, I think people would be like, oh, that's not, not very fashionable. Um, and I was sort of like, well, I'm really happy with it. The client absolutely loves it. Um, she, it's brought her more work in. And then I had a friend of mine who I always think of as like an amazing designer, like really contemporary and um, stuff, sort of he's helping me with part of the project. And he said, did you design the logo for it? And I was like, yeah, I did. He went, oh, my God, I absolutely love it. I just <laughs> I love it so much. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was nice. But I don't rely on that now. Whereas before I'd have wanted someone to go, yeah, that's amazing. And I would have been sharing it. And, and then when I didn't get anyone saying that's amazing... I'd have been like, oh, God, I'm just not worthy. So, yeah. That does sound liberating, yeah. It is, yeah, really. Clients are the main thing, and, you know, meeting their needs is the only thing really worth doing if you want to get paid. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm glad. It sounds like everything's going really well. Thanks, yeah, I I think so. (laughs) And also, it sounds like, you know, you're kind of focused on what's coming around the corner as well. I think that's a point that I've, I've really would say to other freelancers that I need to focus in on and I think it's such an important thing you know like in the summer when I had all the work come in the whole time I had that work coming in it was fabulous getting paid and but all the time in the back of my mind I was thinking but this could this will stop in blub you know November or whatever so you've got to constantly stay on top of getting that next lot of work in because suddenly you can be going from you know making five or six thousand pounds in a month fabulous but if you've got no line work lined up for the next couple of months, that's that money gone, you know. Yeah. So something I need to myself address as well because I can go from super busy to dead when a project ends and be like, oh, God, what am I going to do now? And I think I spoke to Paul Boag a while ago um, and he was saying that um, dedicate a sort of half a day a week to to it, whether it's... I don't know whether it's writing blog posts that are aimed at your target market or literally going out and chasing work. Let Friday afternoon be that time. Mm. It's a really good bit of advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we spoke to him for this. I'll put a link actually to his episode in the show notes. So beingfreelance.com, go take a look. But yeah, he had lots of stuff to share. Yeah. Okay, well, good luck with both the changes to your business and to the ones you're doing to your house. I know you've got to go and tell various decorators what to do. Uh, we've been doing similar stuff this year as well. You see, <laughs> things must be going okay work-wise if we're both paying people to come and paint our houses. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or we're just really bad at painting. <laughs> yeah, I am atrocious. <laughs> and finally, for this episode, another of my first guests, audio producer and composer, trading as new noise audio, it's Chris Hollis. Hello! Hello! <laughs> okay, so... How the heck has this year been since we spoke? Um, tiring. <laughs> it's been good. Yeah, it's been um, busy, very busy, um, and very long hours, but but productive, which is good. Now you were mostly doing like radio jingles, adverts, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. New Noise Audio were just doing sort of uh, radio advert production and sort of focusing on bespoke music and jingles. 
And has the business itself changed or has it just been simply busy? Um, the business itself has grown a fair bit in that we've taken on a fair bit of TV work as well as as well as radio. We've been doing um, what are called synchronisation jobs where um, you're essentially synchronising music with, with TV ads. So that's been something that I've done as a musician and a writer for quite a few years, but um, New Noise have, have sort of taken on that work now and started doing that regularly, which has been great. So doing TV ads, is that something that you've been trying to do for a while? Yeah, well, it was it was a, a really um, weird one in that it's something as a writer I've been doing for or trying to do for like literally five years. And I, I mean, five years ago, I was working with uh, an agency in Paris. And, uh, you know, I used to I used to try so hard to um, to win these ad pitches and it's really competitive and there's loads of other people writing for the same pitch. Um, and sometimes, you know, there'll be two or three different agencies going for the same ad. So it was such hard work. And um, I went probably for four years trying to get a TV advert and, and always got, you know, beaten at the last hurdle. Um, I remember one uh, particular one where I'd stayed up until four in the morning working on this track because the agency kept coming back saying, all right, just tweak this, tweak this, tweak this. Um, and it will be perfect for, for this meeting at 9am. And um, so I stayed up until 4am tweaking this track, went to bed uh, for five hours, woke up at 9am, and then at 10 found out that uh, I'd, I'd essentially come second. So it was just like <laughs> completely galling. I don't know whether it was because I'd sort of missed out on, the, on so many pitches or whether um, the connection I had in London for this agency sort of went AWOL, so I kind of... Uh, lost contact with them and and didn't hear from them uh, until uh, a couple of months ago when they uh, they got in touch and offered me a brief completely out of the blue um, and it was a really quick turnaround brief and uh, I, I I got it and then a week later they offered me another one for a worldwide ad campaign and I got that one as well so after waiting five years to to get one I've gone to to the point where we've I think we've now done five TV ads in the last three months. Do you, do you know it's good to hear that because it can often you know we can make it all sound so easy go, oh yeah so i've been moved on from radio ads to doing tv ads yeah yeah <laughs> but actually a lot of work has gone into getting well that. yeah exactly and I, I think in terms of the the company it looks really great because we've only been you know operating properly as a company for you know a couple of years but as a as a songwriter you know you've been slogging away for for I don't know how long and um you finally you finally get that one and it's such a relief and I think it's a confidence boost as well like when you're doing anything you know musical or anything creative confidence is such a big factor in it um and if you know if you've been trying to do something for best part of five years and not nailing it you just you do get to the point and I had got to the point where I was like well maybe I just can't do this maybe I'm not maybe I'm not good enough to 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 do it um, but then the moment you get one, you're like, yeah, I'm good enough. Then <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> one of the things we spoke about, uh, however many months ago, right at the beginning of 2015, was the fact that you had used email marketing quite mm. successfully to help launch your business a year or two before. Uh, have you continued to do that? Yeah, we have. Um, we've, um, well, basically like really sort of... Um, uh, sort of ramped up social media marketing as well as email marketing now, but we still um, we've kind of changed the way we do email marketing now. In that um, we tend to we tend to 
target the people who are already using us uh, rather than, you know, the email equivalent of cold calling now. Um, so it's, we use it more to keep in touch with our sort of ongoing clients and say, hey, this is what we've been up to this week. And I think it's with, with anything creative, I think it's good to um, regularly showcase what you've been up to because it might inspire other people and, and you know, they might think, oh, we're doing something similar to that. We can, you know, we can work on something like that. So it's um, it's good to sort of inspire people through sending out recent work and keeping in touch, I guess. Yeah, that's a nice point, actually, isn't it? So even if you've not worked with them recently, you can say, this is what I've been doing with other people. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, it's it's great when you get to, and it, I, I guess there's probably a bit of a show-off-y kind of <laughs> element to it as well. We're like, hey, look what we've done. <laughs> this is why you should be working with us. We've been working with these guys. <laughs> how, how else is your business changed I, I you know you're saying we 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 a lot because of course you trade as new noise but essentially it was you taking on sort of like yeah. freelance composers and musicians as you needed them but have you grown at all so we have a uh, we have one employee now who who basically takes care of all of the marketing side of things so that's that's been great we've got someone basically doing social and marketing for us um and also dealing with um, the original briefs that we get from from radio stations so it kind of that took a huge amount of pressure off of me having that opportunity to sort of refocus on the creative side of things and um, take a step away from some of the the stuff that I'm not you know that's not my my bag really but it was something that had to be done but I ended up doing it whereas now someone who's actually good at it can do it cool it was never really in the game plan to run a business. It was always, I wanted to be a musician and I wanted to be a songwriter and a producer. So um, running the business was always, you know, separate to that really. But as as the business started to get, get more clients, that kind of took over. So this year has been more about me trying to find a way to let the business run itself a little bit more and let me focus on writing um, and doing the creative stuff, which I really enjoy. Um, and I think that's finally starting to work now. Like I think the, the transitional period was really hectic, um, because I was trying to spin too many plates, I think, but I think I've kind of found myself in a place now where I'm, um, actually able to, to work as a, as a songwriter and a producer and the business is something that I just need to oversee rather than keep hands on all the time, which is quite difficult to do because when you're a complete control freak, it's difficult to hand that power over to other people. Yeah, but like that's part of that growing into an actual business. Like, as you know, that exists beyond just being you, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I I, I was speaking to a friend who who uh, runs a a post production business um, recently, and and I was sort of saying about the the idea of taking on your first employee and how it was a really difficult transition to make. Um, and he was saying in his whole time of running a business, he's been running this this business for 10 years. He was saying the, the hardest thing he's had to do was take on the first employee because that's the biggest amount of control you're going to have to hand over to someone else um, until, well, until you sell the business, I guess. Um, so it's kind of like he was saying, you know, if if you're a complete control freak and you you like being hands-on and you like making sure that, you you oversee everything that happens 
kind of basically saying to someone, yeah, that's fine, you do that, is is really hard because you, you kind of think, I hope you're going to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, the, the trick is finding someone you, you trust to do it properly. And then, you know, the moment they start doing it properly, you find yourself with loads of spare time and th- think, why didn't I do this before? Nice. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad it's going so well. Uh, I hope you get a a break. Obviously, people could be listening to this at any point, but uh, over Christmas, have a good break. Yes, thank Uh, you very much. Plenty of quality time with Quality Street. Oh, yes. And, um, yeah, all the best. Well, being freelance and being somebody who lets other people do some work for you. (laughs) Thank God. So there you have it. Part one of my catch-up with previous guests, Interesting, isn't it? Hope hope you found it that way. Tom taking on a coach, marketing himself more. Liz's success with SEO and letting go of that feeling, for that matter. But she needed to impress her peers. Chris bringing on new people for new noise and getting cool TV work after so many rejections over the years. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget you can download all of their original episodes on the likes of iTunes, wherever you might get your podcasts, or at beingfreelance.com. Next time, I'll be chatting to illustrator Jessica Draws and the CSS Wizardry consultant that is Harry Roberts. See, I think this year has been a really interesting financial year for me. Um, like, like I say, no struggles, but lots of kind of concerns. So it's all, all centred around that. It's been, it's been quite stressful, to be honest. I got the runner-up award, which was amazing. So I got a nice glass trophy with my name etched into it. It was nice to get some recognition. It just shows what hard work can do, I guess. Find out how their freelance years have been. You can check out their original episodes before you hear from them, if you like, by going to the usual sources. Thanks so much for listening and have a good week being freelance.